King, thank you. Those reminders this morning of God's deliverance out of Egypt, out of the deep, finding the lost, healing the broken. There's something there for each of us, isn't there? But where does that deliverance come from? From Jesus Christ. Let's remember that as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you this day for your love for us, for your goodness to us. Thank you that you meet us right at our point of need, whether we're in the depths of the water, whether we're broken to pieces because of life's storms, whether we've just lost our way, whatever it is, you are there to take us by the hand, to lead us through, to bring us to healing, to bring us to deliverance. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you. And Heavenly Father, you know the needs that are represented here this morning. You know those who need a special touch from you, those who need financial burdens lifted, those who are struggling with relationship issues, those who just need encouragement. May they find that here this morning and may they find it every day at the foot of the cross. And Lord, we do pray for the church here. We pray for the needs of this church, for a full-time pastor. We pray for the needs of this community. They need the light of Jesus Christ shining through our lives each and every day. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us as a church, as your people, to be that light, to be that witness. Now we ask that you would be with Pastor Paul as he shares your word with us this morning. Touch, strengthen, anoint him with power from on high and speak to our hearts and have your way here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I always thank the worship team, but thank you. Olivia stepped out for that last song, though. Nick and Tia's little one likes to kind of have that little sound that she makes when she sings. I got my, when they were practicing, I got my phone out. As soon as she saw her face, she stopped. It's like, <laughs> but it is good to see everybody this morning. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to have people here who, who help with the worship service. Uh, we have 
you know, I think of the, the different people who sing and the people who take care of the coffee and the kids downstairs and the, the tech booth and the people who preach and the people who pray and all those things are, you know, are like the body of God. Not everybody's going to be a head or, a, or an ear or an eye. Of course, then that makes me think of the nursery song, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. But, uh, but we won't go there. We're singing's done for now, but welcome to church this morning. <laughs> It's a good thing God gives us the uh, sense of humor because I, I like to use it. <laughs> Just a few quick announcements, though. Uh, we do have, uh, we're going to have a survey probably starting next week just to see, um, to gauge everybody's interest in participating in things coming up in September uh, with uh, discipleship classes through the week. Um, I know that we're, we're lining up at least a few, uh, but certainly we're going to do those based on the interest and and you know, figuring out the best time that works for everybody. Uh, I know that there will be some, probably like a Wednesday night, but also, um, Judy, you were thinking Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. So we just wanna give uh, different time and opportunities for you to connect and to learn more about what God has in store for us. Um, fellowship is also another part uh, you know, that we take care of. Um, the ladies breakfast is already on the calendar and I was instructed by my lovely wife several times to remind everybody that it's September 16th at 10 a.m. at the church and that there is a sign-up sheet out on the table so you've got on the table out there by the door maybe but okay so that's already on the schedule the men are gonna start in October um, but those are some things that are coming up that we want to make sure that you knew about uh, as always, we thank you for your tithes and offerings. It helps support the operations of the church and, uh, and taking care of the things that we take care of. So thank you for that. Um, you can give by dropping something in the offering boxes by the doors, or you can do it online uh, as you see up on the screen. Uh, we also support uh, overseas missionaries, three, three different families, uh, and you can just designate on your offering an amount and missionary. And then we'll, uh, that goes towards our missionary budget that we support every year. So thank you for that as well. Uh, and a few other pieces. Kyle is going to bring our scripture to us, right? Okay. You just kind of had that look like, what? <laughs> and, um, and then Paul is going to bring our message. So thank you. I'll be uh, reading from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. This was kind of a little bit of a surprise for me. I got a text at the 11th hour. <laughs> anyway, um, it, I, I just want to say one thing uh, with the uh, worship team and whatever. I can remember about seven or eight years ago I started coming to this church, and uh, I... I love to sing, everybody knows I love to sing, but um, I didn't know any of the songs. I just stand there, you know, songs would go on and whatever. And now I, I can sing them all. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of, I, I would say what I say to Heidi, ain't I great? <laughs> okay. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is 
impossible for God to lie. We have, we who have fled, take hold of the hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firmly and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Well, good morning. To each of you, it is uh, good to be with you this morning. Thank you, thankful for the beautiful morning. Thankful for a safe trip up here yesterday, and uh, we um, were thankful for the hospitality at the Bova House last night. Mike and Marcy um, gave us a wonderful meal. I, my wife and I both slept really good. I got up this morning and sat there and looked out at the mountain view and I was reading my Bible and uh, oh I should mention uh, James gave up his room for us so <laughs> we really slept good too James uh, but I got up there and was sitting alone out in the house and having my coffee and I read this verse how precious is your loving kindness O God therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings I wrote the side of my Bible, Lord, to whom would we go besides you? They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. James just mentioned the different people that make up the church, and I was reminded we need each one in the church. And uh, I wrote a song titled, and he gives me more than enough, and he does. And when I read that, I just thought I, had to share that this morning. The message I'm sharing with you is one I first looked at when um, James called me and asked me to fill in for the first time. And I looked over this message and I said, I got to preach that at Katieville. But then another message came to my mind the first Sunday and another for the next and so on. But this week it just seemed this was the message to preach. It is entitled, The Ever-Living One. You know the word pastor, when um, I was called to preach and I got ordained, uh, people asked me, what do you like to be called, Reverend or Paul or Pastor? I said, Pastor. Pastor is a term that means shepherd. And I just like that word. And do you know that I've been praying for a new pastor for you, and I thought of some of my favorite pastors, and I'm mentioning them in the beginning of this sermon, but you know, even though you're without a, so to speak, pastor who is in the office and who preaches week by, you have a pastor. You have a shepherd. He is the ever-living one. And this message is about Jesus. I want the spotlight to be on him this morning. 
And I pray that the Holy Spirit will help me to communicate Jesus to you in such a way that you are encouraged. And you are encouraged not only as he, the shepherd of our souls, but he has a shepherd in mind for this church. You've enjoyed some good shepherds and some good pastors in the past, and I'm going to mention some of mine, but he has something in mind for you. Holy Spirit, help us this morning. I'm going to use the next chapter. Uh, Kyle read uh, part of chapter 6 to us, and I'm going to turn to Hebrews chapter 7 and uh, share the Word of God with you in a moment. Uh, so if you want to turn there in your Bible or follow along in the, um, in the Scripture, Hebrews 7, verses 23 through 28 is telling us all about the ever-living one. But just before I read, did you ever have a favorite pastor? Some maybe grew up in the Catholic Church, you had a favorite priest. It's a sad time to see them leave. I was really bad. I left my first church after 15 years, and some people thought we were the worst, did the worst thing when we resigned. You know, there's people that feel that way. They hate to see a pastor leave. Uh, it's sad to see them leave, and it's even sadder to see them die. I remember the first pastor in the Nazarene Church in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, uh, where my parents were attending when I was born, Reverend A.C. McKenzie, my dad's favorite pastor. And he was such a good preacher and such a good personal man. And it was so sad to get the news that he had passed away. I remember Reverend Robert Annington, who was our pastor at the Cherryville Wesleyan Church, and I loved to hear Reverend Addington preach, and I can still hear him say, you can know that you know that you know that you know that you've asked Christ to forgive you and he's come into your heart. And then he became my district superintendent when I took my first church. And, and I, got, I was so sad when I heard that Reverend Robert Addington had died. And then there was Reverend Tommy Holshauser, who became our pastor, and uh, I was dating Diana at the time, and I remember after, after I asked her to marry me uh, at the Lehigh Valley Mall parking lot in the Q section of the parking lot, not that I remember, but <laughs> I remember we wanted to tell someone, we, we, I hadn't asked her mom yet, and I wanted to do that back up here in New York, and we were down in Pennsylvania, and I didn't want to tell my parents that. We went and told Reverend Tommy Holshauser. And it was so sad when he died while he was serving as pastor of that church, I think from a heart attack. It is sad to lose a pastor that we love. Like, I remember serving on different committees with one of your pastors, Reverend Jeff Turcott, and I love Jeff, and I know many of you sat under his leadership. It's hard to lose a pastor, isn't it? It's hard to see them leave and say goodbye. And we're not sure of, you know, who will be the new one, but I believe this. Pastors and priests all die. All but one the ever-living one, Jesus.
He's the one I want to focus on today. Hebrews 7, beginning at verse 23 and going on to um, verse 28. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood, or for us Protestants, pastorhood. (laughs) Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. And I just think the worship songs match this morning, and I'm so glad for how the Holy Spirit coordinates things. I really am. Who does not need daily as the high priest to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. What does the Scripture tell us, this Scripture in particular, what does this Scripture tell us about Jesus? the ever-living one, the shepherd who is always our shepherd, the pastor who is always our pastor. What does this scripture tell us about Jesus? Three simple thoughts this morning. First of all, he is able. Hebrews 7.25, I claim on Thursdays over my sons, our sons, and our daughter-in-laws, and our grandchildren, It says, he is able, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost. That line hit me one day, he is able to save to the uttermost. I like that expression. One translation says completely. He is able to save to the uttermost. In other words, he is able to forgive our sins. Like in Mark chapter 2 when he said to the paralyzed man who was let through the roof, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And I'm glad in today's world God can still communicate that to the individual heart. I was thinking also of the woman in Luke 7 who came in and she didn't say a word. She just knelt down at Jesus' feet and anointed his feet and washed them with her tears. And the Pharisee spoke up to himself and said, Jesus doesn't know what kind of sinful woman this is. And then eventually Jesus says, Simon, do you see this one? Her sins, and they are many, are forgiven her. God saw her broken heart. She didn't need to utter a word. And I'm glad he is able to forgive our sins. He is able to make us children of God. 
He is able to give us assurance that we have become his child, that we are forgiven. And I love uh, John chapter 1, where it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, those who believe in his name. Aren't you glad that he is able to make us his children? No matter where we are or what we're going through, he is able to make us his children. Praise God for that. Not everyone gets, finds Jesus the same way. Not everyone is able to go to church. I read just recently of a famous pastor who was asked to go into a federal penitentiary and visit a man on death row. The man was not doing well and he was in a, like a fetal position for days and weeks and wouldn't speak to anyone and the pastor came in and spoke to him and in as simple as words as he could told him that Jesus was crucified for us and he died for us and he rose again. The man was in that position. The, man said, I, the pastor said, I want to pray for you before I leave. famous pastor said, would you do one thing for me? Would you just say that name with me? Jesus. And the man did. And his life was turned around. The prison couldn't believe how much he got better and how he, he had a new spirit until the day he was executed. What a powerful name it is. Just the name of Jesus. He is able to be with us when we are in trouble. Psalm 91 and verse 15 says, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. I'm glad he is able. He's able to take us to heaven when we die. He is able to do that. And uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, we read these words. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Church, Jesus is able to get us home to heaven. He is able. And he is able to raise us up at his return. I believe that, and I am thankful that he is able to do all these things. In the Gospel of, um, I'm sorry, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we remember those words when Jesus said, uh, the Apostle Paul said about Jesus, he will come in the clouds. And those who are his who are in the grave will be raised up. 
and then we who are alive will be raised up to join them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I thank the Lord he is able to raise us up. I'm glad he is able to do all these things. He is our Savior. This was his work, his true ministry during his earthly time, restoring life to the daughter of Jairus, healing the woman who touched the hem of his garment, raising Lazarus, and also saving people from their sins. Church, he is able. And not only to save us who are, you know, born in America, he cares about the people who are raised in other religions and other denominations around the world. One of the things I marvel at is in particular the people who are raised Muslim. God often communicates their need for Jesus through dreams. When I was at district conference this year, I brought the Oak Tree Exposition. I don't know if you saw this, Pastor Judy. It's a collection of sermons by Dr. O. Wilson. And I got at district conference, and I have been reading this book, and I can hear our former general superintendent, our college president when I went there. I can hear his voice in my mind when I read these sermons because it was such a distinctive voice. And this illustration I love before I share the second point. He was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the parsonage uh, just outside the church and he uh, was at the kitchen window and he saw a car pull into the parking lot. And he saw a man look like Indian descent or something get out and talk to the groundskeeper who was mowing some grass or something and just talked to him for a minute, got back in the car and he left. He wondered what it was. The next morning when he was in church, I think it was the groundkeeper came and said, I want you to introduce uh, this man to you. And his name was Abid Gahuman. He was from Pakistan. And he said uh, he wanted to visit our church. And so he came in and sat through the service. After the service, Abid came to Dr. Wilson and said, may I speak to you privately? And Dr. Wilson said, sure, we'll go to my study. And he told his family to go over to the parsonage. He'd be there after a while. Abid said, my father built mass throughout Pakistan. He was a very rich man. And I came to Lehigh University to gate uh, ultimately to get my PhD. And he said, but I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw a church. And I saw just where the, the way the lights were on the side and just the cloth uh, up and back of the pulpit area. And I saw the man who was preaching. And the voice said, he will tell you about Jesus. And I, for the last several weeks, have been going through to different churches in the Lehigh Valley. And... This week, I found out from your groundskeeper what time the services was, and when I came in this morning, I saw the way the lights were on the wall and the cloth, and I recognized 
that was my dream. And when you came up behind the pulpit, you were the man I saw. And the voice told me, you will tell him about Jesus. And Dr. Wilson was taking one of his courses from Princeton University, and he had just studied world religions, and he had studied the Muslim. He said, well, you believe Jesus is a prophet? Oh, yes. Well, I want to tell you he's more than a prophet. And Dr. Wilson led him to faith in Christ in his office that day. His family had picked out six different possible brides for him, so he went home and interviewed them all. He, inter he, he chose the one who was least committed to her Muslim faith, said, I think I can lead her to Jesus, and he did. <laughs> and they started attend they came back to the state, started attending the Bethlehem Church and did for a number of years, and then it was, uh, two children were born, then it was time to leave and go back. Dr. Wilson was a little bit worried about him. You know, the pressure to forsake the Christian faith and go back to the Muslim. And I loved what he said. Da, uh, Abid, you know, thanked them and for the hospitality. And the, it was here that I found Christ and my wife found Christ and my two children in this wonderful church. And Abid said, uh, some of you are worried. But he said this, I could never unsee what I have seen. I could never unhear what I have heard. I could never unfeel what I have felt. I could never unexperience what I have experienced. At that point, Dr. Wilson stopped worrying. And aren't you glad that he is able to save? He is also available. That text says he is able to save to the uttermost those who come unto God through him. And we must all come to God through him. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus was always willing to let people get to him. In a different way. You know, some people get to us, don't they? <laughs> you know what I mean by that. But Jesus was always willing to let people get to him. He's just willing. Children could come to him. He was available to blind Bartimaeus. Then when Jesus was passing through Jericho and everybody was crowded around and this blind man who was probably dressed in a dirty old beggar clothes cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him to, polite words, I used, my mom didn't want me to use, they told him to shut up. <laughs> and he cried out all the more and Jesus stopped and said, tell him to come here always willing to let people get to him. And then the story of Zacchaeus, who's up in that tree, chief tax collector, and Jesus walked over to right where the spot and looked up and called him by name and says, come on down, I must come to your house today. And he went home 
and suddenly stood up and said, Jesus, from now on, (laughs) and you know the rest of the story, and I'm so glad he cares about people and where they are, and he's, he's willing to let people get to him, and he's available, aren't you glad, to you and me today. Even if we have neglected him at times, even if we have in the past rejected him, I am so glad Jesus knows where each of us is and is willing to let us come to him just as we are. The scripture says the Lord, Psalm 145 verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. And I talked about that prisoner being in death row. Aren't you glad Jesus can speak to a man when he's willing to say the name Jesus on death row? Or he's able to speak to us in our car. Last weekend, my wife and I were in um, Pennsylvania at the Detmer family reunion, and we were up at the little picnic area where the reunion was taking place, and my next my next older brother, Russell, and his wife, because their health couldn't make it, but we ordered a meal for them, and I took it to them, and I was trying to remember, which way do I go to Russ's place? Which is, oh yeah, I remember. And so I followed down, I came down the hill, and there was a road sign. One mile to Danielsville, three miles to Pennzoil. And I said, oh God, thank you for this spot. I remember pulling up to that intersection one night and I shifted my Mustang into neutral and put my foot on the brake and I said, Lord, I've had a tough time with my anger and my temper and I've been to the altar about it and I just want to bring it to you right now. And I prayed that intersection. I Remember, Jesus shed shed every last drop of blood for me. And I said, Lord, I just give you my anger. And I didn't see any stars or hear any bells, but I felt peace. And drove away, and in the days ahead, people began to ask about the anger. How comes I didn't get angry like I used to? I'm so glad God can meet us where we are wherever it is, and speak to our hearts. And he is able to do that. And he is available to all who call on him today. Everyone, no matter who they are. I've been enjoying reading this book by Purple Fish, which actually James let me take from the library in here. And Marco Wilson, great writer, great I wish I would have read this book when I first became a pastor. It is so excellent on personal evangelism. And being yourself and reaching out to people with your own personality and uh, being true to yourself and letting the Holy Spirit do the witness. And in one of these chapters, he talked about a Native American in Wisconsin who the church started up a group for single mothers to support them, and Tiffany came. She was Native American. (laughs) And she said this, 
I don't go to church, and I don't believe in Jesus, and I don't like Christians very much. But I like you people. <laughs> you make me feel safe. Tiffany's new friends loved her and accepted her unconditionally. Over time, though, several significant conversation, she began to think about Jesus. One morning, while she was preparing for work, a surprising thought came uninvited into her mind. This would be a good day to give your life to Jesus. No, that's not for me. I was raised in the traditional native way. The thought came back. This would be a good day to give your life to Jesus. I can't do something crazy like that. This would be a good day to give your life to Jesus. No, I won't do it unless I receive a definite sign. Driving to work, this Native American single mom looked up while driving and saw a bald eagle circling above her. Very important in the Native This would be a good day to give your life to Jesus instead of going to work. Tiffany drove directly to the church and found Pastor Loretta in her office. She walked in and said, this would be a good day to give my life to Jesus. And she did. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit can speak to people even before we do. He's the first witness. We're just the second witness, and he's able to do that. The last point I want to remind you of is he is alive. The Bible says, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He is alive. Revelation 1, 17 and 18 says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Church, I want you to know Jesus is the ever-living one. He's the ever-living shepherd. He's the ever-living pastor. And he won't fail you. <laughs> this pastor is human. My wife understands my weaknesses. And this man can fail, but Jesus will not fail you. Jesus is faithful. He's able. He's available. And he's ever-living. And he can meet our needs. And he can see us through. And I want you to notice the finished and the unfinished work of Christ. I love the song the worship team sang about the uh, thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He shed his blood enough to cover all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our inward struggles. He finished his work on the cross. That's the finished work. You know what the unfinished work of Christ is? Right now, this morning, he's, at, he's on the throne like we sang about. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us. 
He is praying for us, each of us, uh, your name and mine. He is interceding before the Father because he wants us to know for sure his salvation, his forgiveness, his setting us free. And it continues to this day. What a Savior. What a Savior. And since he is alive, we have the assurance of the future. We don't have to fear death. He is alive. Isaiah wrote about it in the Old Testament. Yet we have this assurance. Isaiah 26, verse uh, 19. Those who belong to God will live. Their bodies will rise again. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. I'm glad we have the hope of the resurrection because of Jesus. We don't have to face temptation alone. Hebrews 2.18 talks about him um, becoming man so he could be tempted in every point like we are, yet without sin. We don't have to face trials alone. I like what it says in John 16.33. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. You will have trouble. Didn't he get that right? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What a Savior he is. And he is the Savior for you and me. Sufficient for all of our needs. All we have to do is say, Savior, Jesus, be my shepherd. Be my pastor. Be my guide through the uneven journey of life. And I want you to know, he'll never fail you. He'll never leave. He'll never die. He'll never resign. Make him yours. As the worship team sings, let's just let the Holy Spirit have his way. As I prayed this morning, our benediction, I'm so glad that Jesus is our living hope. He's our great shepherd, and I'm praying for a new pastor for this church. But in the meanwhile, I want you to know hope in Christ. Just like Abid said to Pastor Wilson, can I talk to you privately? If anyone ever wants to share your personal struggle, maybe you feel you can never match up to a Christian mom or dad or something else, I just want you to know many of us can find him because he is always living and he's a great savior and I want people to know him. Heavenly Father, thank you for each person here today. Thank you for just their personality. You love each one and no one is more loved than the one who hears this prayer. Each of us is deeply loved. 
And Lord, you want to walk with us through this journey of life. And you want to be our shepherd. Lord, thank you that you're our living hope. Thank you that you're the ever-living one. You will always be available. Death cannot come to you again. You conquer death. What a hope we have because of Jesus. I am praying for a new shepherd for this church. All of us are praying. And Lord, we believe you for great things to come. But thank you. While we wait, while we pray, we have the ever-living one to be our guide. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.